Like there's no right way to do it. Oh, we're going to get into it. Hey moms, this week we welcome certified feeding therapist and speech pathologist Beth Ann Ingracia to the mom group chat. Now, if you listened to our last feeding baby episode, you know that myself, Candace, and Whitney all struggle with mealtime with our littles. But Beth Ann brought us so much wisdom in this episode, we all left feeling more confident. She talks about mindset and also shares practical tips you can try today. As a practicing speech pathologist, Beth Ann was exposed to the skills of infant and toddler feeding in some of her cases and training. Once becoming a mother herself and feeling the overwhelm of transitioning to solids, she threw herself into learning all she could about baby-led weaning through the popular Solid Starts methodology. She quickly became her social circle's go-to resource for feeding and weaning advice, which has evolved into her opening her own practice coaching families through their feeding journeys. There are so many nuggets and aha moments in this chat with Beth Ann. Since recording this episode, I have implemented some of her guidelines with TJ directly and seen positive results, which is huge. It's boosted my confidence so much. So whether you are in the newborn phase and anxious for safely weeding, or you're in the throes of it with a picky toddler, this episode is sure to be helpful as well as relatable. Please enjoy our conversation with Beth Ann and Gracia. Hello, hello. Welcome to the mom group chat, Beth Ann and Gracia. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. We are so excited to have you. Beth Ann is uh, a friend of mine, a friend of the podcast. And after we had our feeding baby episode a few weeks ago, um, which if you've been listening, you know, was really more of just a complaint session and bitch fest <laughs> about yes. feeding our toddlers and us realizing that none of us were doing a great job. I thought of Beth Ann and we had a chat when I was visiting her in New York. And as it turns out, she's a certified feeding therapist now, which makes sense because she's been amazing with her daughter, Louisa. So we'll get into all of that. And I was like, we have to have you on the pod to actually help us and help our listeners um, with what we're doing here, because this is an area where I feel like so many people struggle. So we are so excited to have you, Beth Ann. I'm so excited to be here. And I loved that episode. Oh really? Did <laughs> you? If I, I, I would think that you would be like, "Oh, these people need help. No. They need a professional." <laughs> well, I mean, part of it is the kids are. Every kid is so different, and I guess I, I maybe know what I'm doing more. But I also have been really lucky with Louisa, who has been so easy in general, but then also just a great eater. I don't know how much that was me, or I mean, she's just a very easy baby, so I think it must have helped. Um, so is mac and cheese a food group? That's my first question. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I mean, so the approach I take is I'm really relaxed and I think everyone should be relaxed about eating. And it's more about like inviting the baby into your, your meal routine. Kind of. Yes. Yes. I want to get into everything, but before we start talking about actually feeding the babes, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you, Bethann, for the listeners who don't know you and also for myself, because I don't know exactly how you got into the feeding therapist game, but tell us a little bit about you and your background and how- your family. 
your family. Tell us about Louisa and how you got into this like passion of yours. Yeah, this was definitely by accident. Originally, I went to school for art history at Princeton, and then I tried like a bunch of different careers. Uh, the one I settled on was advertising. And I'm saying this because I remember your guest, Julia, had a different career. And then, yes, yeah. I love the pivots. Yes, I pivoted to go back to grad school for speech language pathology. And I got interested in that because I've always loved language and I love helping people one on one. So, yeah, it was not about feeding at all. But that is part of the scope of practice of speech language pathologists. So, there were a few courses I took in grad school everyone had to take, including swallowing disorders. And then I took a few more elective classes about babies. So one of them was infant and toddler feeding. So I had I had those skills. And then I became an early intervention speech pathologist. And most of the cases are actually about language delays, speech delays. But some of them are were for feeding delays or feeding problems. And I would often just reject reject those cases because I didn't feel comfortable doing them. So really what grad school left me with was a profound respect for the swallowing mechanism and the fear. <laughs> like, like you learn about all the things that can go wrong. Yeah. Um, and I was sure that I loved language more. Like that's, that's huh. my passion, it's language. But then when I actually, so I did take a few cases when my supervisors like assured me that they would help me and that I felt I could handle. And those were more ones like picky eating that I felt they were, you know, they've either, they've been checked out by doctors. It's nothing physical. Um, it's more behavioral and we can try to make food. A lot of the times the parents had been so stressed out by, by the, their baby not eating that it was, it was more about reassuring the parents too. So I did a few of those cases. When the time came for my daughter to start eating, I felt so overwhelmed, even though like, before. Um, so at four months, my, the pediatrician was like, you know, I think she's ready. Just, she's, She's ready to start feeding. I was like, what? A little bobblehead. I'm not ready. I don't know anything about it. Like, what am I going to do? So she said, okay, like give it two more weeks. And it was really for me to like get my act together. Yeah. So I did. So I felt I had been casually looking at solid starts on Instagram and I, I loved them. At that point, I bought one of their plans, the hundred day, the first hundred days. Yeah. It was, it was a great like video introduction and an actual step-by-step Here's what you can do each day. If you need to be handheld the whole way, you can follow this exactly or take from it what you want. Um, I'd love that. And I also did a baby CPR online course with a, and I, I got the actual baby dummy because I was so nervous about choking. It's so but scary. I, I was so overwhelmed through um, solid starts. I just began to feel so much more confident. And like, I knew that if, <laughs> if she choked, I would be able to help. And then also I learned that choking from from eating solids is so unlikely. They're more likely to choke on a toy that they find on the ground. Yeah, so I loved the content there. Um, and then I, I followed it. I bought more of the courses. Um, and then things were going really well with Louisa. And I had some friends come to me and say, like, you know, I like solid starts, but my, my mom who's taking care of the baby during the day is really only into spoon feeding. She's so afraid. Can you, like, do a Zoom with us so that... We can all get on the same page. Um, and I started to realize that this is a real need. Maybe I'm not an expert, but I know more than a lot of people. And I, I wanted to help. So yeah, it, it came yeah. about very organically. So after, so I was, a, I was so anxious in the beginning and I was anxious about a lot of things with my baby, but then it became something I just don't worry about, which I think is the goal. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like so scary. Like what you mentioned being afraid and like they seem so little when that mile, that first milestone hits where you start feeding. And I know for me, like my biggest fear was, was choking. Um, cause as a non-professional or somebody who has no idea what it looks like a first time mom, it looks like they're choking like all the time and they sounds like they're choking. So just like not having an education or information about what's really supposed to happen other than, you know, the mom's on call book, which provides a schedule, but like, not like Mm -hmm. this is what might happen or any fundamentals on swallowing or the mechanisms that are happening. Um, yeah, it can be it can be really scary. Tell us a little bit, um, just like high level about Louisa and your family. You're expecting, like, tell us a little yeah. bit about your family makeup. Well, I love that we're all on the same boat with. I Jim. know. I Welcome to know. the pack. I'm glad you're still here, Whitney. I thought you might be like barely. I have, I have like less than two weeks, so yeah. Yeah, we so, literally um, joked before you before you joined the call. We were like, Whitney, you could literally go into labor like as we record this. I saw you. I saw Shannon and Candace on the email, and I was like, oh, I guess Whitney's in labor. <laughs> Not yet. Surprise! <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, I'm so glad you're still here. So yeah, I have. Um, I live in Brooklyn with my husband Bobby and my. 22-month-old daughter, Louisa, and I'm 23-ish weeks pregnant with a baby boy due in December. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yay. We're both December. Is her birthday October? October 21st, yeah. Mm, love it. So, um, and I've been mostly, like, stay-at-home mom, but also I have I work a little bit with the early intervention population, and then I've been doing this, like, feeding consulting. So, I guess I didn't continue my my story from before, but once Solid Starts came out with a professional development offering, I jumped on it like that day and I did the course and took the test like the next day. So I became one of the first um, professionals listed on their directory. And so I started to get referrals from that. People within New York who had toddlers who were either like all they ate was milk and they're two years old and they know, feel like they missed the boat or they're about two and we're still being spoon fed and there are, you know, strong family pressures to make sure that the baby never went hungry and how do I navigate like letting them go hungry if they're not eating the food that's offered with my parents wanting to overfeed them and give them snacks whenever. It's so yeah. like emotional. People yeah. get so serious, like especially grandparents, other family members. Mm-hmm. They get very they're just everyone's like very sure. It's especially that, yeah. 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 It's funny that all of the clients I've had so far, one has one was like mainly about the, the grandparents and their influence. And then one mentioned the grandparents think they're starving the kid and one and then the other one was like the, the grandparent believing since they didn't have teeth yet, there's no way they could tackle us, you know, like a solid food. What is up but what, with them? They have like two teeth. It's like they're not chewing yeah. with their front teeth. But like, what's up with them pushing the dry cereal in the milk? Like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I think an older yeah. person did that. I'm like, we can't. Please stop. <laughs> I think like the fundamentals of feeding babies and toddlers has just come so far than like when we were little 30 years ago or 33 years ago, whenever. Like my mom, I remember like literally sitting down with her in the solid starts course and being because my mom watches Alice yeah. full time. So 
I I remember sitting down with her and being being like, this is what we're going to do. And she was like, (laughs) what? You're just going to sit a piece of broccoli in front of her? And I'm like, yeah, and she's going to eat it. It it took a week or two of me like showing her what we were doing and also just her witnessing Alice like actually eat these things and like swallow them and gag a little bit. And then she like she was props to my mom. She was not one of those grandparents that is like, no, this is not how you do it. She was very open and like great about like wanting to do what we wanted to do. And she got super into the Solid Starts app and was like tracking what what we tried. It was like really fun for her. So I got really lucky. But I think it's hard for the moms of generations past to like accept this new way of feeding that isn't hasn't always been the norm, you know? Yeah, like you were saying before, there's just so much emotion around the wanting to part of taking care of the baby is making sure they're fed and happy. And, um, you know, you want them to sleep through the night and you want to make sure that they're fed enough to do that. But actually, they have to learn about hunger cues and they have to learn about not always getting everything that they want and boundaries. And wow, I feel like you're speaking to me. (laughs) I was going to say, like, I feel like we as humans in general now and even as a, as adults are just like more aware of our emotional relationship to food and our mm-hmm. relationship to food. And I feel like as parents, that's making us kind of stressed out. Maybe I'm just projecting and thinking about myself, but like m- even more stressed out about sen- setting good foundational steps with feeding because our relationship with food is such a big part of our adult lives. Like, do you think it starts from like month six? Like a lot of it does, but I don't want any of that to stress anyone. Like I, it should be (laughs) the worst thing that you can do is be overly stressed and project stressed onto your baby. And if, if you feel you've been doing that, don't worry. It's not too late to reverse course, but yeah, there it is the, you're setting the foundations from like six to 12 months with the variety of flavors you're exposing the baby to the emotional like vibe of the meal time. So is yeah. mealtime fun? Is it a safe way to explore new things and get messy? Or is it like, are we under a time crunch where it has to be over in half an hour and mom's trying to feed me as much as possible and I don't have any choices. So that, that can set the stage for more picky feeding later. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's mm. like six to 12 months is just a great opportunity when babies are open to trying new things, learning how to chew. And I'm just trying, we're, so I'm learning about what meals are within your family. This is so interesting to hear you say this. So does the parent lead the vibe? <laughs> like, are we in charge of the vibe check? Yeah. So the, okay. the division of responsibilities and feeding is this idea that you, the adult, decide what is being served and the setting, like when and how. So if you're going to sit at the table, is it going to be quiet and relaxed? Is it more of a loud and social setting? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the baby decides whether to eat and how much. So the baby doesn't decide okay. the food. But they don't get to demand. Well, we need to demand blueberries, but it's mostly up to the parent. Um, so that you're setting these boundaries so then the child feels safe to learn and explore. Is there like a correct vibe? Like you mentioned, is it quiet and we're at the table or is it more social? Like, is there a correct way to do it? You should start with how, what your current vibe, like with your partner is or with the rest of your family. Um, Some families are more loud. 
see how your baby takes it. And if they're overwhelmed and like not eating, maybe you need to shut off the music, shut off the TV, turn down the music, have them facing the wall instead of where they can see all their toys. But you just, you sort of like respond to how your baby is reacting, I would say. But like, you don't want to change your life to accommodate. It's not all about creating the perfect situation for your baby to start eating. It's like, what do meals look like right now? And what do I want them to be? Mm -hmm. And see how baby fits in. I mean, ideally, I would love for him to eat what we're having for dinner. And it just never ends up that way. Because it's like what you said, like, I want him to be full before bed. But if that's not necessarily the case, it's like, well, maybe we should just keep pushing what we're having. On Yeah. So if it what right now, are you making separate things for him? Yep. I think there can be a slow transition to eating what you're eating. I think it's always possible. Um, how old is yeah, I forget. He's the uh, same age as your... Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Start to enforce the boundaries gently. You, ha- you can have these stock phrases like, that's not on the menu tonight, or this is what we're having for dinner. I hear you want chicken nuggets, but we have we have like ravioli and mm-hmm. broccoli. Um, if you're hungry, that's okay. We're going to... You can wait until bre- like breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. it like... Can you touch on the skipping meals or like starving them out because yeah. TJ <laughs> let's starve them out I mean that's not like the term but that's like what I feel like I would be doing yeah. for a little while if I didn't serve him something special and obviously yeah. that's not what we want like what we want is for him to be a part of our meal time and like you said like he's part of our family we're not I don't want to be a short order cook for him mm-hmm. but like how many meals can he skip like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can try. So I so I think babies need to eat a lot less than you think. Um, okay. You don't want them waking up in the middle of the night. And that really sucks. If you're going to hold a strong boundary around dinner, then you can give them, make sure they eat for breakfast. That's something they really, <laughs> they really like. Um, or yeah. like, hopefully not as much, that much time, but it could be like lunch versus dinner or breakfast versus lunch. Um, Yeah, I guess that's like my scary point because Graydon goes to daycare. mm -hmm. And so he's getting lunch there of things that like maybe he wouldn't necessarily eat at home. So I'm like, I can see what he's eating or what they say he's eaten. But it's like, dang, by the time he gets here, he's usually kind of hungry. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I want to make sure he's eaten something today since I don't really know. So I think that's where I get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's where a lot of people get nervous. You can, it doesn't have to be drastic if like you start where, meet them where they are right now. Yeah. Like if you think they're really hungry after not eating lunch, you can move up snack a little bit earlier, give them things that you know they'll like, but then like limit it. It's not like unlimited crackers. Right. And try again with dinner and see how it goes. But hope that the, usually they learn pretty quickly that if, I mean, just like they learn if I say no, then mom will bring me whatever I like. Yeah. They'll also learn if I don't eat this, I'm going to be hungry and that doesn't feel great. Is there an age threshold for that? Or is that like from the beginning with giving them solids? If I offer, even at seven months or eight months, if I offered her strawberries and I don't know, like pancake strips or something, Mm -hmm. whatever. And if she didn't eat it, like, I mean, at that point, they're still getting formula or milk. That's that's what's great about that age. So it's like they're still getting most of their nutrition from milk or formula. So, so yeah, it's like, this is what we're trying. If you don't like it, it's fine. It's just, let's touch it. Let's let lick it. Let's squish it. Um, Yeah. It doesn't have to be about 
consumption. And then hopefully closer to 12 months, they're getting most of their, more of their nutrition, most of it through solids. And then you can start, like, it's okay. You don't, you're, you're listening to your body. It's okay if you don't want to eat all of that or you're not feeling the mushrooms today. I'll make sure that like, we're going to eat again in three hours. Okay, cool. Okay. So is it like just kind of trusting the process? I guess yeah. like if so many people are struggling with this, where do you think most people are failing? I think exactly that. I think it's like you might have to let go a little bit of the control and trust your baby. Yeah. So that if they're like unless unless they've fallen off their growth growth chart to a degree that the pedi- your pediatrician is concerned, they're they're growing well enough. They're, if they're hydrated, they're making enough dirty and, and wet diapers, they're sleeping a good stretch, then they're getting enough nutrition. And they, they have enough okay. energy during the day to play, then then they're eating enough, even if it yeah. seems like they're hardly eating anything. And I say this as, I mean, Louisa started out at the fourth percentile for weight. And, you know, my husband and I are like, I'm totally average. He's taller. His family's huge. We're like, this shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I never, but I always kind of trusted that she knew how much milk she needed. I wasn't worried about adding extra formula. I wasn't worried that she hardly ate anything, even as my husband really was worried. And she eventually... She grew and she's more at like towards the 20th percentile now, but it was a really slow growth. Mm-hmm. She, it seemed like she was hardly eating anything because yeah. her stomach was so small because she was so tiny. Yeah. Um, they but, are small too. You forget yeah. like their tummies are small. So when you're making portions and whatnot, I try to remember like if he eats a few bites, it's not like he needs to eat as much as I do. Yeah. Like, He's a small little boy. Mm-hmm. And also I think with a lot of people with formula, the babies end up being maybe bigger than they would have been. Because mm. it's, I mean, I don't know. It may sort of like give them a little bit of extra plumpness. And then when you, when people are switching to, to um, solids, they might lose a little bit of weight, but that's still totally normal. What would you say are like, I feel like there's two main areas that people with toddlers mostly, which is most of our listeners Mm -hmm. struggle with. It's like that six to 12 month period, which you already mentioned where you have to like introduce lots of textures and, you know, they're starting to wean. It's their first foray into food. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, it seems like around 18 months to two, the pickiness really ratchets up. Yeah. And then like, when does that, like, how long do you have to navigate that? And like, I guess since most of us have two-year-olds or like they're coming to you, like what's on the horizon? I think it's more difficult. It's going to be more of them asserting their independence and yeah, more opportunities for you to set loving boundaries. But yeah, no, I think it doesn't get oh, no. better for like quite a while. I've created a monster. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think they are still really picky. Just the baseline for most most toddlers is very picky until three or four. Yeah. So it's like everyone has this expectation that their toddler is supposed to be eating like balanced, nutritious meals, but everybody's toddler is picky until they're four. Is that kind of like (laughs) what I'm hearing? I think there's a range of pickiness. There's like problem pickiness where – they're maybe they're losing weight and are anemic or whatever, um, or it's a struggle. Meal times are a real struggle, or they're they're just not. It's okay if they never eat broccoli when they're a kid. Like you can keep offering it. It's okay if they don't eat it. 
Okay. So like nutrition as a concept, like we think about how many servings of vegetables we need a day and like we need iron and we need proteins. Like, does that just not matter as much for them? It does. But if you're, you just, you don't have to think about each meal or each day as much as over a couple weeks. Okay. Basically just relax. So if you're, if you're offering a variety of whole foods and you keep exposing them to a variety of vegetables, different proteins, even if they just taste a little bit, you're still, you don't have to, to worry about the, the number of calories or you, you really shouldn't worry about the number of calories. It's just sort of let them follow what feels good for them. The title like, of this episode is going to be, you need to calm down <laughs> by, by Beth Ann. <laughs> I want to make sure reference. <laughs> literally like nobody's calm. So I'm really glad we're having this yeah. conversation. Like we posted in our Facebook group and on Instagram that we were going to have a feeding therapist come on and everybody's worried about a lot. There are a lot of overlapping um, topics, but I wanted to transition in a minute here and do some like rapid fire questions that people had for you. But before that, I mean, what I'm hearing is basically set the vibe. You can relax a little bit, like every single meal does not need to be taken in a vacuum, like have a longer time horizon on the success of feeding. And also like, it sounds like it's, it's just natural for them to be picky at this time in life. Yeah. Toddlerhood. Totally. Is there Mm -hmm. like, with your approach with being solid start certified, like, could you distill or boil down your approach to feeding in like three key things? The main message that I get from solid starts is that there's the long game and the short game. And it's, you want to focus on the long game of helping to develop adventurous or at least willing to try eaters uh, who look forward to meals, who it's not a source of stress. The short game if you're, and some days are short game days, like travel days. Oh, give them all the pouches mm-hmm. they want. Give them yeah. all the, the fun snacks they want. But over time, you're really in it for the long game of like having meals be a source of joy and come family time and let them be able to try new things. And then another thing is you, you're kind of deciding what's important to your family. Like if you come from different cultural backgrounds incorporate all of that and what's important to you into your, into your approach with meals. So yeah, like just don't, don't uh, bend everything to, to what you think is the right way to feed a baby. My family is Cuban on both sides, my husband and me, and we're very loud, like meal times at Christmas yeah. and holidays. It's like borderline chaotic but I'm used to it because I grew up like that and so I feel like if we were to create this like zen meal environment here at home like big holidays where like I want to have a good time or I want her to have a good time like it would be a shit show because she would be used to this like zen feeding environment when like holidays are litty so you know what I mean it's like it's like I have to I I've never really, I think like my biggest takeaway so far, I know we're only 30 minutes in, is that like we set the vibe mm-hmm. and I feel like I've been letting Alice set the vibe. And if she yeah. throws food immediately, it's like automatically this meal time is a wash. It sucks. Yeah. And it's like, actually, yeah. like I could lead her and like can do some things that would lead her in the right direction, you know? 
I, 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 I never thought about it like that. Yeah. So yeah. another thing would be like having the baby join you at meals. So I think what a lot of people end up doing is sitting them in the high chair and sort of like facing them and watching, watching them eat or like feeding yes. them. Yes. You are, you can concentrate, you concentrate on your own meal. You, you model your enjoyment of the meal and you're using the utensils and you're like, mm, this carrot is crunchy. I see you have crunchy. Like it's just, you're, you're thinking about yourself. You're not trying to put too much attention on them because that can be pressure. They'll feel the pressure. Yeah. We discussed this during the first episode <laughs> because like we like dinner we are in our 30s, so we've learned how to eat and we enjoy it. And then we feel like part, yeah. introducing our kid to the dinner table is just a shit show and it like ruins dinner. Yes. I, I remember that part of the podcast and I was thinking, yes, enjoy your dinner with your husband. Make that a special time. Maybe have an earlier pre-dinner with your baby. Or d'oeuvres. An appetizer. <laughs> or you, yeah, they have to eat their real meal and you're eating like just kind of to show them or to model. Charcuterie. Yes. So like, are you eating ideally whatever they're eating, but just, you don't have to eat a ton. Just show them that you're, that's what you're concentrating on, not them. That makes sense. Like obviously the main, like all parenting things are like, you have to model good behavior. And then with feeding, we're just like watching, being like, eat, eat, (laughs) eat. Uh, Yeah. I think like a lot of the people, a lot of the questions people had were like, how do I not be frustrated? And yeah. I think just trying to remember, I think having the information that it's it's not as serious as it seems, like they're going to survive. They mm-hmm. don't have to be eating a shit ton of calories and they don't have to have like all the perfect nutrition, like makes it easier. And then also just like the camaraderie of knowing it's happening to everybody. Yeah. Like if the thing is a vibe check, that's going to be my number one takeaway because I get so frustrated and like upset that I'm sure he notices. Well, there's another part to that too that I think could be one of the three main points. I don't know where we are, but (laughs) with trying to prevent becoming overly frustrated might be, it might mean moving dinner earlier. So like a a lot of the times dinner is a really hard meal. The the baby's tired. They've been, maybe they've been at daycare all day and they come home to you and want to let it all out. Um, So maybe you move that dinner time up to like five o'clock and you still have your dinner later with your, with your husband or older kids at seven or something. So a lot of it is like scheduling and finding the right time when they're not like they're not hangry. They shouldn't ever come to the table hangry. Mm-hmm. Like make right. it so that you never get to that. Or like so tired that yeah. they're ready for bed. Yeah. 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 That's something I've noticed too is um, Alice is a slower eater in that like I think she just like. So is Louisa. Like I don't. Yeah. Like she just likes to enjoy, which I love. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But so something that I've noticed from my husband is he's like a quick eater. Like when we sit down at a restaurant, he wants to order right away. He wants to get out of there. And I'm someone who likes to like, let's order an appetizer and a glass of wine and like enjoy. But I've noticed my husband trying to rush meal time with Alice. Um, and he'll be like, he, it, it's almost like he likes to push meal time closer to her bath time so that we can just like do dinner really quick. And, and I noticed she doesn't eat as well. So you're inspiring me to just be like, okay, let's like give her a little bit of space around it. Maybe it does need to be earlier so that we have a little bit of that buffer time to let her explore and eat. And it doesn't have to be so like smashed in there. He should know that the actual meal time is so valuable as a source of like 
stimulation and learning that it's okay. It's okay for that to be like one of the main activities of the day. Like with Louisa, sometimes it'll take over an hour in the beginning. She might not be interested, especially when she was younger, but I thought it's not like I was trying to rush her to different baby activities to, you know, like this was, this is a great way to spend time as a baby with like, it's, it's great fine motor practice. It's quality time with your parent or caregiver. It's, you know, it's like a great way to, to waste um, or to spend an hour. And yeah, try to set up the schedule where you don't feel rushed. So interesting. I feel like my biggest takeaway is like you can start afresh. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Um, you saying to uh, just relax. It's like I had a panic moment when we were talking about it. And then I was like, no, she said relax. And you can start anew. <laughs> And start uh, trickling things in. So yeah. I feel like my husband's going to like love you for this <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's so like not picky. I'm more of yeah. a picky person. So he's like, you're pushing your pickiness onto our son. And I'm like, I don't know what else to do. So yeah. well, I think it can be really hard for a lot of people and who may have like complicated experiences with food already. And I'm definitely happy to help, like even with just a few text messages or, you know, just run some things by me and. I can give you ideas or reassurance. It's so nice. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. Do I, I think this is something like we've talked about definitely in our feeding baby episode. And just, I think we got some questions about is like, since Louisa is such a good eater and you're a feeding consultant, like, do you cook all the time? And oh, so funny. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. hate, I hate, I'm like not a food okay. guy person at all. I hate food shopping. I hate cooking. I made myself cook a bit um, when we were starting out. I kind of saw it as like an excuse to develop some skills. And I really wanted to, to expose her to tons of food. So I would try new things. Um, I don't <laughs> don't really anymore. Like I, we end up ordering in a lot and I'll do very, very basic cooking like eggs and just frozen vegetables and stuff. So no, I... I'm like not a food person. Yay. I hate I hate that makes me feel better. If your your family culture is takeout, which like we do takeout a few nights a week, like I've been trying to make sure there's enough for like us to offer him Mm -hmm. some of like whatever we're eating for takeout. But now what I'm gonna do is just offer that to him and not make like side yogurt or like the second meal that always inevitably ends up coming up but I mean, or you can, been- you can like serve her serve him a tiny bit of yogurt with whatever he, else that you're offering like slowly shrink the yogurt portion yeah. until it's gone <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, I don't know. and if he finishes if he finishes the yogurt right you don't offer more you're like that's yeah, all yeah. that's all the yogurt for yeah, today still hungry, there's the zucchini okay let's 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 try it Okay, I feel like we cannot hog Bethann to ourselves. We need to transition to the rapid fire questions. There were so oh many. Gosh, we, I was like, yeah, oh we my got gosh. so many questions for you. I think we covered some of them already in our general discussion. Yeah. But Bethann, are you ready? I'm just gonna do like a grab bag. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> These okay. are always fun. All right, let's see. What is the danger in providing a bottle past 12 months? It's not okay. So it's not dangerous. It's not hurting your baby, but you want to push them towards a mature swallow. Um, so if you think about what it takes to suck from a bottle, it's the tongue is going back and forth, and it's a it's a motion that feels very unnatural for us now because we have a mature swallow, which is 
like our tongue is in a different position. It's moving in a different way. So if the baby is doing all bottles and not developing a mature swallow with straws or open cups, that could develop their like their tongue position. That could influence how their tongue is positioned for speech and for the shape of their mouth and things like that. So you want to, okay. wherever you are, if it's if you're over 12 months, try to move them towards regular cups. Did they mean that question too, like to wean off relying on milk you think no i think this was at the actual like bottle oh. mechanism yeah did anyone else thrust their tongue back and forth when she said that <laughs> I just, oh i did course. yeah <laughs> i was like does it i was like natural? <laughs> um okay there was another related question which is do you have a recommended sippy cup i do um so there's a feeding therapist that I really admire called Melanie Potok. Yeah, she recently found what she thinks is like the perfect cup. It's the num 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 weighted straw cup. Okay. Where it's, it's so it's okay. what they want Writing is that just, down. But I haven't tried this one. That I'm saying like for for beginning straw cup users. My favorite one to use with Louisa is the gross gross Mimi or grow Mimi. Do you know that one? It's um. It has all the features that parents love. Like it's, it has measurements right on the cup, which a lot of them, the other ones don't do. It's pretty spill proof, but it doesn't, the, the, the valve isn't that strong. So it doesn't require like extra effort to get the water or milk out. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the perfect cup. Mm, okay. There are so many. I know. I know. Yeah. All right. We'll link those cups. How do I work on weaning with a 12-month-old who's addicted to nursing? Yeah, this one's tough there. And Solid Starts does have a really good guide. I think the gist of it is there are two methods you could decide what's right for you, like starting to by limit by limiting the time of day, the times of days that you nurse, or by the, the length of each nursing session. Mm. Like a lot of people end up keeping the bedtime one for last, like for to be the last that you drop. You could still, you could work on maybe the first one dropping or dro- just dropping the middle of the day ones. You can cut back on the time or or just like cold turkey. It's not time for that right now, but here's some. Make sure they're hydrated. They're looking for either hydration or affection. So mm. we, you know that's not available right now, but here's water and you can have some cuddles. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. I, with I didn't have to do this because Louisa stopped like. I wanted to keep going, but she was like, I'll then. Yeah. Oh, I know. I was thinking like I – I mean I stopped nursing really early, but it's got to be – I see how people get into the thing where they're like nursing for two years or three yeah. years because yeah. – And that's okay. The will that they have as they get older is so strong. And if they really want to nurse, like it'll be hard and, to say. And it's totally okay to, to continue nursing for comfort. It's only a problem if it's like interfering with their ability to – they're not hungry during meals. And they're not mm. trying solid foods. But, you know, like comfort nursing throughout the day or before bed is totally fine if they're still, you know, eating a variety of foods. and. and okay. Meals. Related, someone asked, do I need to replace breast milk with whole milk while weaning? No, you don't. You can, but you can – the babies can get calcium and vitamin D and stuff from a variety of other things. So they can – you don't have to replace it with milk. They can have okay. yogurt and cheese or just like a variety of vegetables – Legumes, yeah, it doesn't have to be milk. TJ survives on dairy. He's a dairy yeah. boy. Okay, Brayden hates milk. So <laughs> I thought he was a sweet really? potato boy. 
Yeah, oh, he beans. likes sweet potatoes too. He is. Oh, a sweet yeah, potato, that's so, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are what you eat. He's a cheesy sweet potato. Okay. <laughs> what is there a nutrition group that's most important for toddlers? Like, is there a food group that should be a priority when you're when you're starting to to introduce solids? I guess the priority is iron. But for toddlers, you're when you're thinking about nutrition, try not to get caught up in like the macro or the micronutrients, um, as long as you're offering balanced whole foods, don't worry about the content of each meal. In general, though, a lot the most common like uh, nutritional deficiency around the world in children is anemia. So you can, if you're worried about one thing, you can focus on making sure they have enough iron. Which is like green, green things, right? It's a, it's it could be from meat. Um, red meat is a really good source, or different types of chicken and fish, and then nuts and legumes and variety of vegetables. Um, Steak and coming right up. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a little cute, cute thing. Oatmeal, peanut butter, spinach, kidney beans, all these things, and, and every okay. single meat and eggs and all of that. So iron, if you needed to focus on one. Speaking of the steak dinner, <laughs> I'm going to be pissed when he throws steak on the floor. So a a common question was about the throwing of the food on the floor. Like that is so frustrating. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that? And is that just something we have to grow to accept? No, you shouldn't. No, you're so you can enforce the boundaries of what mealtime, what it is to be a polite human. I, I think that's pretty disrespectful of you. You made a nice steak and they threw it on the floor. It makes me mad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with Louisa, I sort of ignored it and then it passed, but you can totally say, oh, throwing means the meal is over. But I know you said you've tried that. Um, so you can start to think about like, why is he throwing? Is it because he's not hungry when he gets to the table? Is it because it's the, it is the end of the meal? Is it because you've reacted in the past and laughed or gotten really mad, which is also a form of, you know, attention that they might like? Ultimately, you don't have to put up with throwing. So does that just look like ending the meal? Like that's what you would do? Yeah, just in a very, very calm way. Like no big reactions. You're telling me the meal's over. Let's clean up and then move on to something else um, quickly to distract Mm -hmm. I guess. If they say they're hungry in a half an hour or something, you can, can if you want, offer the same meal. And if if they don't eat it, they're like, okay, this is over too. Okay. We're going to eat again. Oh, my word. Okay. This is scary, but it's good to know. It's like, it's like we all just have to grow some balls. We're supposed yeah, to I calm know. down and <laughs> grow some balls. This is not going to work perfectly. You can sort of just see, experiment, see what works. Um, but give each method you're trying like a few days to just be consistent okay. or like and see what happens. couple more. Um, what to do if my toddler does not want to sit in the high chair and tries to climb out and is just like, not wanting to be still um, and it's inhibiting the eating. Yeah. So being still is really important just from a safety perspective. So but if they, if like the high chair at the table isn't working, change things up and do make sure they're seated. But like, you know, you can eat on the floor at the coffee table or just on the floor, like a picnic. It would be great if they had a chair to sit in to just encourage them to be still. But if they need to, they can also stand at the table um, they shouldn't be running around or walking around while eating. Okay. So like no like 
cup of food to go. No, I would I would say try try all these different things first. Try having them in your lap. Try eating on the floor, having a picnic, eat outside. You can find what's what seems fun and exciting for them. But I would hold the boundary of like food stays at the table. You don't have to. If you want to take a break, go take a break. You can run around for okay. five minutes. Um, That's what you did, right, Candace? Food at the table, yeah, but yeah. you were running around. <laughs> yeah, so as as that's what. That's what as I somebody did who knows up, about. And that's, yeah, yeah. What, the thing that scares me most about um, you know safe swallowing and choking is like attention is so important. I participated in some studies in in grad school where they're like blowing stuff that would make you cough into your mouth. And then you cough, but if you're if you're like doing math problems or talk, talking to somebody, you you like inhale it. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, and I, I so if they're like running around playing and like they're eating, so much more likely to choke. That's when I think okay. that's when choking really happens. Okay, dang, that's good wow. to know. I okay, feel like cool. this is good to teach them for restaurants as well. So I mean, yeah, we, like Louisa needs restaurant breaks in the middle. We'll just take a walk, you know even if the food's out. You can follow right. them. If they're saying that they need to move, you, give, you can give them space to move. Okay. All right. This is kind of a high-level one, but I think it's a good one to wrap up on. How to handle the world's pickiest child. <laughs> that, uh, if, you're, if they're already, like, strong into picky eating habits, it can be hard, but you're you, – I mean, you, you meet them where they are and you start somewhere. First, you want to make sure they're not – it's not, like, a clinical problem that you need to see a feeding therapist about or – you know, a, a gastro doctor. Um, so if, if they're still growing and they have enough energy, you can just, just start small with, you can continue to offer. So every meal has something that they're really comfortable with. Um, you keep exposing them to things you, even if you know or think they don't want them. So I remember one of the questions was like, okay, we'll never eat broccoli. Just keep offering it. Use it the next yeah. day. Is there like a magic number of times or just keep of offering it, it maybe like one time? Thousands of times. I mean, just don't ever give up. Um, if, it, if it's a food okay, that, just don't give up. Yeah. That sounds like the main. So like, but like you yeah. want them. Some kids become so picky that they don't want to see the food, or they don't want it to be on their plate or touching other foods. Like you want to pre- prevent that level of yeah. pickiness. But if you're there, just uh, it could be like out, outside of mealtimes, playing with the the food that they hate, just or like feeding mom or feeding Elmo or mm-hmm. yeah, it depends where you are. Just try to meet them wherever they are and start with one small thing. Yeah, I've been work on that for like a week and see how it goes. Wow. Reach out for help if you need it. Yeah, I mean, you are available to help people with their like specific needs. Um, what does it look like if somebody wanted to reach out and engage with you, Beth Ann, to like learn more about how you help families and just like really dig in deep with what they're dealing with? Yeah, so I. I'm licensed in the state of New York and Connecticut for like feeding therapy, which I consider is um, when there's a child who has like a diagnosed or, you know, a disorder um, or extreme picky eating. But I'm happy to do parent coaching or like troubleshooting kind of with anyone. Mm -hmm. So it could look, it would look like whatever you need. Some, sometimes I can do a Zoom session just to see what mealtimes look for you and make you... I might point out like, oh, they're they're not really supported in their high chair. Let's fix that. Or I can sort of come up with a plan, depending on what you need, to wean off, wean off milk or bottles. Um, it could be like just text message support. So I'm really flexible. Yeah. 
I feel like the, like basically having a partner in it that's not your husband Mm -hmm. could be super valuable. Just somebody to like lean on and ask questions to and basically get moral support because this all sounds like pretty simple. You know, it's like stay consistent, try these main steps, but in practice, I can imagine it's hard. You need like a little bit of support. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's like a really valuable resource to have. Yeah, I think so too. What is the best way for people to find you, Bethann? I have a website, www.verbalist-slp.com. I also, yeah, that's the best way. And you can eat my emails there. It's like, it's BA at verbalist.slp.com. We'll link it. We'll link it. Yeah, yeah, We'll link it's it. It's easier sure. that way. Yeah. And I'm, you also um, talk a little bit about it on your Instagram or any? I, start, I made, in the preparation for this podcast, I made a, a verbalist Instagram. Hopefully I'll, I'll put more contact on there too. But yeah, I have, it's verbalist.slp on Instagram. Verbalist.slp. We're about to blow you up. Awesome. <laughs> I feel a rejuvenated sense of purpose around this. Me and too. Like I have a project too, or like, sure. I don't know, a, a new outlook where it sounds like everyone's going through it and it's okay to start over. And yeah, um, I'm looking forward to like trying this and I, all this yeah. advice. Um, and I'll say again, Solid Starts is my favorite resource. What's so valuable is they're started by a mom who um, went through extreme picky eating with her first child, and then gathered like the best experts to to learn all she could about preventing picky eating. And they have so many videos on like what's normal, what's not normal. This baby is ready for solids because of these reasons, and this baby's not because of this. Or here's what gagging looks like. Um, mm-hmm. We just have so much content yeah. for free on the Instagram. Um, the, the app is great, and then the paid content if you want. And I've I'm, I have nothing to gain from that at all. I just love them. Yeah, they're great. I just I feel like I use them a lot for when I was introducing solids, and now that he's older, and I'm just dealing with the pickiness. But solid starts verbalist.slp on Instagram. Thank you so much for helping us out, Bethann, and hopefully um, yeah, listen to this after you listen to our bitch fest, and this will actually (laughs) give you some practical advice and maybe like bring the cortisol down a little bit and help you remember that. I hope it's helpful. Yeah. For sure. Thank you so much. And um, we hope you feel great. You are due in December, so good luck with that. Thank you. And we'll see you on the Instagrams. See you. Thank you so much for being a part of our mom group chat. New episodes drop every Tuesday. And don't forget, the group chat is blowing up on our Instagram page. So make sure you're following along over there. All right, got to go. My toddler just put something in her mouth.